We welcome all our listeners in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Shir Jeshub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo. In today's broadcast, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our teaching on heavenly authority as we continue to discuss Melchizedek. At the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you can write to us if you have any questions or comments. And now, let's go into the study. In our last program, our study partners will remember that we began to speak about the mysterious figure in the book of Genesis named Melchizedek. He is a man who perfectly illustrates the principle of heavenly authority, which we have been analyzing. That is, God's preference of choosing and working through individual men and women who hear his call and respond personally and singly to his special invitation. In the last few programs, we've been examining the distinction between such an individual who is called into direct relationship and communication with God versus that individual's offspring and lineage who as a result inherit a blessing or special position. And there is a distinction as well between authority that derives from the two different conditions. And this man Melchizedek helps to illustrate this. Patty, why don't you reread the short account which we have in Genesis about Melchizedek. This is when Abraham returns from his defeat of Kedileroma and the other three kings, and he is in the king's valley near Salem. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And with that, Melchizedek disappears from any other mention in the book of Genesis. Let's take notice of some facts that are in these verses. First, his name. Melchizedek means king of right or king of righteousness. This was a man, a king, who was concerned with doing what was right. He was concerned with God's most righteous ways. A nation is blessed when its rulers are loyal to God and seek to do what is right with equity and morality and truthfulness, all of which are embodied in that word righteousness. And woe to the country whose rulers are just the opposite from being kings of righteousness, but are instead kings of lawlessness and debauchery. Very true. Second, notice that Melchizedek is not a relative of Abraham. Yet he believes in God Most High, and is called in the Scriptures a priest of God. So then there were people at that time other than Abraham and his family, who believed in and served the one true God. This agrees with what we saw a couple of programs back with Job. That's right. Notice that Melchizedek is called the King of Salem, which is an early name for Jerusalem, which would be the site of God's future holy city. And Salem, or Shalom, means peace or peaceful. So he is, in a sense, the king of peace. And besides being a king, he is also called the priest of God Most High. Now the Hebrew word for priest probably comes from a verb meaning to stand. And the priest in the Old Testament is one who stands before God to minister. A priest would stand or officiate at the altar to offer sacrifices. 
and he would stand as an intermediary between God and the people he represented. And Melchizedek, as a priest, also presented offerings. But his offerings were bread and wine, a type of the most perfect offering, which we remember in the Lord's Supper. And this special offering, which he brought out when he met Abraham, demonstrated friendship and fellowship. It would seem that Abraham participated in this meal of bread and wine, that he participated in the fellowship with God Most High that Melchizedek's offering symbolized. And Greg, he blessed Abraham. That's right. He said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Through inspiration from God, Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and he understood that Abraham was a man of God Most High. And he confirmed the word which God had spoken directly to Abraham earlier when he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Melchizedek received a tithe, or one-tenth of all from Abraham. It seems Abraham gave him a tenth of the booty he had gathered. By this act, Abraham not only recognized Melchizedek as a fellow believer in the Lord, but as a priest who ranked spiritually higher than himself. Greg, it is proper for those who minister spiritual blessings to receive physical blessings from those they minister to, so that the Lord's work can go on. That's right. Jesus said that a worker is worthy of his food. Although some like Paul, as he wrote to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, lay aside this right so that the gospel can be presented without charge, especially when presented to a cynical society. But returning to Melchizedek, in biblical times the priests were normally a separate entity from the kingship. But Melchizedek serves as a king-priest, something that will take on more significance later on in our study. But for now it's important to notice that Melchizedek comes abruptly on the scene in Genesis chapter 14 and just as abruptly leaves. We do not know his genealogy or lineage. We don't even know what people he is of, and it doesn't matter, because all that the Holy Spirit requires us to know is that he is the priest of God Most High. And we contrast that with the Levitical priesthood, which we will study, Lord willing, in future programs of this series on heavenly authority. By the law God would give Moses, a religious system would be established with regulations that allowed only one tribe of Abraham's descendants to be priests, the tribe of Levi, and then only those in that tribe that were of the lineage of one man, Aaron. And from the book of Genesis on, we have the Lord dealing with a chosen people that were chosen based on the promises made to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this is not the case with Melchizedek, even though his blessing of Abraham forespoke of that promise. There is nothing else we need know about Melchizedek, not who his father or grandfather was, not who his children or grandchildren became, nor any of the other circumstances of his life, only that this solitary man was a priest of God Most High. He is identified by his own individual life, and that being a life in service of God. And he is mentioned only one other time in the Old Testament. That's in the wonderful Messianic Psalm of David, Psalm 110. 
It is a psalm that refers to the ascension of Messiah. The psalm says in verses 1 and 4, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the priesthood of Messiah would not be a priesthood like that of the Levitical priests, but rather in the order of, in the nature of, the priesthood of Melchizedek. In the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews makes this clearer. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 15 reads, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Down in chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, it continues, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Then in chapter 6, starting at verse 19 and going into chapter 7, we read, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Melchizedek's priesthood was not based upon any regulation, or institution, or lineage, or inherited religion. Instead, it was based simply on him being a man of God, on his direct relationship with God. And such a priesthood is superior or more excellent than the religious system and regulation which the law would later establish under the Levitical priesthood. Just think how great he was, the writer says in verse 4. The whole Israelite nation, including the Levites, in essence paid a tithe to him. So in the sense of authority and position, his was, quote, the greater. Melchizedek simply stood as a man before God, not as an Israelite, not as a descendant of Abraham, not as a Levite. 
And the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 110, verse 4, that Messiah's priesthood would likewise be in the order of Melchizedek. Though Jesus Christ the King had to be a descendant of Judah through David, still he serves us today as a high priest at the right hand of the Father, not because of human lineage or a regulation as to ancestry, for he was not a Levite, but instead because of who he is. And it is from this king priest, whom Melchizedek only served as a type or foreshadowing of, it is from this king priest, this prince of peace, this king of Jerusalem, this king of righteousness, Christ Jesus, that we must receive the bread and the wine, entering through him into the blessed fellowship of God. We are so happy that you were able to join us for our study today. We love to hear from our listening audience. So if you have any comments or words of encouragement, please send them along to us. Also, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting our church's evangelical outreach. Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. We would also like to extend an invitation for you to join us for Sunday service if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next program of Shear Jashub when we continue to discuss authority based on an individual's relationship with God.